0: Ought to step in and get blessed. <laughs> oh, come on! You ought to just step in and get blessed. Thank you, Jesus. I, well, I tell you, I could, I could preach just a little while right now, but I, I'm not, I'm not the preacher. But let me tell you, you need to have a made up mind. I can feel the Lord, and it's my time for God's favor. I can feel his presence. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my blessing. There may be a lot of things you have in this life or you could have in this life that you don't care if somebody steps in front of you and gets. But if you could see your blessing of the Lord, you'd be like, ain't nobody getting my blessing. I'm going to step in and get mine. I'm going to get what God's got for me. Praise God. It got good. Come on, give him a hand, clap and a shout in this house. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's fun to dance before the Lord. It's fun to dance before the Lord. Uh, this might just be your time. My time to be the water and get blessed step on in that anointing and get blessed Ye love us, come, love yeah. oh, don't don't stop just just quiet it get, get a little quiet just a second there's no doubt that this song brings up the imagery of the pool of bethesda and people stepping into the water and getting their miracle, getting their blessing. The man that Jesus came to who had been there for 38 years, he said, I have a problem, Lord, that I have nobody to help me into the water. Now, of course, when we've got the Lord, we don't need nobody else. I know that. But it's a sad, kind of sad thing, isn't it, that somebody wouldn't take that man and say, bro, you've been here a long time. You've been battling this a while. I think I'll help you to where you can get better. We're going to get on the crank back up here in just a second. But what I need you to do is find you somebody. Take them by the hand. You stay right there between your seats and you can come down here. And say, you know what, I want to help you get to where your blessing is. You're not going to be sitting around saying, Lord, I had nobody to shout with me. I had nobody to praise with me, but somebody said, I'll take you by the hand and we'll just dance before the Lord with all of our might and we just see what God will do. Man, these kids over here getting it. These children over here just worshiping and going. I'm telling you, I'm not going to force you. and You don't have to do nothing you don't want to do. But all taste and see that the Lord is good. Get you a partner. Get you a dance partner. Get you a worship partner. And for the next couple of minutes, let's worship the Lord one more time together. And get your blessing from the Lord. Let God touch you right where you are today. Let him help you, heal you, deliver you, whatever it is. Let him refresh your spirit, whatever you need. But let him do it in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and shout real good to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Mm. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. No substitute for God's presence. No substitute for what God can do. And if we would learn that, if we would learn that if it's of the Lord, man, it's going to work every time. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but praising God in the dance, that's, that's just as real as He's the healer of all our diseases. It is, and so I'm thankful today that we can praise him with our voice with our hands on instruments and in the dance and it it don't take a uh, you can see I ain't no dancer I have no none of that I don't have musical stuff, I don't have rhythm, I don't know, but boy, I just love to just cut a rug in front of the Lord and say, i'm just going the only requirement is to dance with all your might. Hey, David may not have no rhythm. We don't know. He just said he danced with all his might. So whatever all my might looks like, that's what God's going to get. And you just give God what you got. He'll, he'll take care of the rest of it. We're thankful again for all of our visitors, those that have been here. Thank you for those that have played and sang and led us in worship. Appreciate our music and our, our sound and media of our teachers in their classes today. Thank you to all our visitors once again for being with us. And I'm thankful for the young people we have in this church that will worship God when it's so hot. It's hot. I know it. It's like, well, I wish those big windows would just open right now. But but we have great young men and women of God in this church. They love the Lord and want to do something for the Lord. And we've had the, the... the great pleasure of knowing brother wendell for a while now and uh he's got a call on his life got an anointing on his life and he's going to be preaching to us today so let's give the lord a hand as brother wendell comes this morning appreciate his family being with us today he's not just a minister he serves in the military and we're we're thankful for his service there as well brother wendell come preach to us this morning brother
1: Praise the Lord, everybody. One of the last times I preached, I forgot to thank Pastor for letting me up here, so I'm going to start off with that this time. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity to get up here and preach behind your pulpit. I don't take it lightly whenever you ask me that, so I wanted to say thank you. I also wanted to thank all of my family and friends, and some people drove over four hours to be here, so <laughs> thank you for coming and hearing me today, and I'm going to thank Thank somebody one more time, if that's okay. And this time, I want to thank all of my church family and a lot of my family and everybody that came today. Um, when I was gone away last year for about six months in the military, I had to go to boot camp and stuff like that. And if the few of you that actually have been in boot camp, you can tell me that it is no fun at all. It's horribly miserable. Um, and there was there was one time I was actually, I was sitting there in formation And I told God, I said, Lord, I said, I'm about to lose my brain. It was about three weeks in, which is typically the worst time of the entire experience. It's kind of a culture shock. And uh, I just said, Lord, I said, "I I need you to place me on someone's heart right now to pray for me. And somebody listened to the word of God because about 15 seconds later, It just felt like someone poured warm liquid over the top of my head. And I just said, Lord, whoever just prayed for me, I said, bless them. So I just wanted to say thank you for obeying the Word of God. If you ever said any type of prayer for me in the time that I was gone, thank you. So let's go and let's talk about Jesus. Let's see. Let me get my tablet open. We're going to start off today in the book of John 15 and verse 7, if we could slap that up on the screen, there we go. If ye abide in me and my word abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Lay your Bibles down and lift your hands up to heaven and help me pray over the message. Lord, we thank you for today, Jesus. Lord, we praise your name for another day to be able to come into your house with worship. Lord, help me to convey your words to your people, Jesus. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And y'all can sit down. we got a couple more scriptures we're going to read. The next one comes from 1 John 5 and 15. And if we know that he hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that he will answer. We desire that he answer him. I got that one all backwards. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Isaiah 65 and 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking... I will hear. I've been praying the past few weeks for God to give me a message whenever a Pastor asked me to preach today. Not just for the people of Restoration Apostolic Church, but Restoration Apostolic Church and all of its visitors. And I had been working on this other message and I was all excited to preach it. But sometimes God has different plans than us and He wouldn't leave me alone about this message. So I said, You know what, Lord, I can take a hit. So here we are. Uh, I said all that basically to say that the Lord has something for us today in this church. I want to talk today about answers. And oh boy, do we all love answers. That's not necessarily a Title I message today, but that's the road we're going to drive down. See, we all love answers, especially when we're taking a test. We're trying to figure out, uh, fix a problem at work or something like that. And we really love answers when we're trying to figure out what our significant other wants to eat. (laughs) See, answers are great in almost every form. Webster's describes an answer as a thing said, written, or done to deal with or as a reaction to a question, statement, or situation. A lot of people in the Bible needed answers from God. A lot of you need answers from God. And for the love. Ah, need answers from God. See, the Bible is full of people asking the Lord and the Lord hearing those answers, hearing those prayers and answering them. First Chronicles 4 and 10. And we're going to go with Jabez. If it's Jabez, scream it out and tell me. I do not care. Uh, Jabez called from God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me. And thou wouldest keep me from evil, and it may not grieve me. And God granted him which he requested. Boom. Answers. First Samuel 1 and 11. It's talking about Hannah here. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon my affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but thou wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child whatever reason. I don't know why they said baby boy right there. If the baby was born and it was a little man, I'd probably be a little creeped out. But we're just going to go with the Lord and say man child. and I lost my spot. I knew I shouldn't have said that. Then I'll give unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Go in, And then God answered in verse 17 and said, go in peace and God of Israel, grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked. A few verses later, or a few chapters rather later, Samson was born. Boom, Hannah got her answer. 2 Kings 20 and 1. And this is talking about King Hezekiah. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, and the, the son of, again, y'all correct me, Amaz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. All right, now I was excited to talk about this story. Because for whatever reason, could you, well hold on, I'm just going to take a step back here. Could you imagine your king Hezekiah, and you're sitting on your throne, you're chillaxing to the max. And you see your good old prophet buddy walk through the doors. You're probably thinking, he's coming in there to give you even more blessings. Because some scholars say they describe King Hezekiah as the most important king after King David. But just imagine, you're good, God's good, life's good, man, you're living it up. You're happy, you've kept God happy, and your good old prophet buddy comes in, walking into your throne room, and then he doesn't... He doesn't compliment you. He doesn't ask how you've been doing. He doesn't say, hey, nice flock of camels when I walked into the courtyard. Or thank you for the complimentary honeycomb. He doesn't say none of that. He just walks in and says, hey, the Lord said to get yourself together because you're about to die. And if there's any confusion in that, that means you're not going to live. This man doesn't even say bye. He just dips. Like he just straight up leaves. I was like, man. Two verses later, Hezekiah does what any self-respecting king would do and starts begging God for his life. He says in verse 3, I beseech thee, O Lord, beseech right here is another word for ask. Remember how, remember now how I have walked before the truth and with the perfect heart and done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Hezekiah was asking God in a roundabout way, hey God, look at all I've done. I've kept a perfect heart. And done which is good. Don't kill me off just yet, Lord. God speaks to Isaiah. So Isaiah whips a U-turn and goes back to Hezekiah. Verse 5 and 6 says, Turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. And the third day thou shalt go unto the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver there, I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Boom. Hezekiah got his answer. See, there are several Bible stories about God answering prayers in the ways that they wanted. But there are also Bible stories about God answering prayers. That they didn't necessarily like the answer to. Some of the most popular ones are the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him and asked God, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 21 says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go the way, go thy way, sell so whatever. Whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up thy cross and follow me. The rich young ruler got his answer. But the Bible says that he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He got the answer to his question, it just wasn't the answer that he wanted. The Apostle Paul Writes in Corinthians in the second book, twelve and verse seven, and least should I be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I should be exalted above measure, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it may depart from me. Now, if you're like me, when you first heard that scripture, it probably didn't make a lick of sense to you. But basically, that's just a really confusing way of saying, because of all the greatness and the revelation that God has given Paul, a thorn was given into Paul's flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him, to basically keep him from becoming conceited. And the Lord responded with, my grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, that is a super fancy way of God straight up telling him no. No. I'm not going to remove that thorn from your flesh. So Paul got his answer, even though it wasn't the outcome that he was hoping for. You see, there's stories in our own lives about getting answers we don't necessarily want. Sometimes we humans ask questions that we know the answer to, and we don't want to hear the answer to, but for some reason we ask anyways. You might say, Preacher, that don't make a lick of sense. Well, let me help us understand. How many people here has ever been a little kid? Raise your hand. All right, you can put your hands in. Now, how many people here ever remember going to Walmart with one of your parents? Raise your hand. And if Walmart's, if you're too good for Walmart, slap Target on there. I don't care. All right, you can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about Kmart, Pastor. Is there even Kmarts around anymore? He's like, hey, are you going to open up that entire half of the store while the lights are always off? Anyway. So, if y'all know where I'm probably starting to go with this, Mama, can I get a new bicycle? No. Mama, can I get this five pound bag of gummy bears? No. Oh, Jesus, help us. Mama, can I spend the night with my cousins tonight? Wendell, it's a Wednesday. You'll have school in the morning. No. And if it was a really dumb question, I didn't even get an answer. I just got to look. Like, why don't you tell me what you think that answer is? And the one my poor mom heard the most probably was, Mama... Can I get this super cool looking video game? It's only $60. Wendell, you have like 50. You don't need any more. No. And see, this is the spot where I would argue the fact of how it would best benefit me if I got the answer that I wanted. And if I was really feeling my little 12-year-old self, I would try to twist it around and convince her of how it would benefit her also. But, Mama, this game will teach me about history. Are you going to keep this education from me? Are you going to hold me back from learning? And when that didn't work, I'd try my last resort. Mama, think of all the fun we could have playing this game. Think of how we could bond, Mama. Mama. And then she'd say something like, oh, we're about to bond if you ask one more time. And then I'd just say, okay, and I'd step back, and I was a good little 12-year-old boy after that. Now, my mom is sitting in the congregation, so let me just make it clear. She didn't always tell me no. I had an amazing mom who was trying to help us paint a picture. But believe it or not, people thousands of years ago in the Bible got their answer from God and then argued why their answer was better than the one God gave them. Judges 6, 11 through 17, and God sent an angel to Gideon, and it says that the angel went and sat under an oak tree by the winepress, and then appeared unto Gideon and said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now remember, this is after Gideon and all of Israel had been praying and asking for deliverance and needing their prayers answered. They really needed an answer from being oppressed. Now, we're going to take a step back, actually did a little bit of study on this part, to see exactly what oppressed meant back in the Bible days. And basically what it meant is any time that the children of Israel would ever get any type of crops together or they would have nice livestock or anything like that, the Midianites would just bust up in there and take whatever they wanted and then leave. So Israel couldn't ever get out of the um, the situation that they were in. Now, you know the first thing Gideon said to the angel after the angel came and told him that? He didn't thank the angel for finally answering an entire nation's prayers. He didn't start praising and worshiping because he got the answer that they needed. He said in Judges chapter 6 and thirteen, 13, oh O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all of this befallen on us? And where be all his miracles which our Father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. See, Gideon has always looked in a positive light for how he conquered an entire army with just 300 men. But we sometimes overlook the tremendous amounts of doubt that he had in the process. Not only does he not believe the Word of God, Gideon instantly starts questioning the Word of God and why the Lord is even allowed to get in this position in the first place which is something that at least I have fallen victim to at some point in my life. God, if you're really with me, then why are all these bad things keep happening to me? God, if you really called me to preach, then if you really called me to lead song service or whatever it is that you that God's called you to do, God, if that's really you and that's really your calling for me, why is it easier to get started? See, he's so focused, Gideon is so focused on the problem that he don't see his answer, which is an angel standing smack in front of him. That can be an entire message right there on a, something else, but God wants us go down a little bit different path this morning. But God being the wise God he is, simply said, he looked and responded with, in verse 14, she already got it up, go in thy Go in this thy might, thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? I want to point out here that God didn't answer all of the questions Gideon had about why. Gideon says in verse 15, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon is arguing the fact that he's not good enough to do what God has planned for. Him. Verse 16 says, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Does this sound familiar? God, if you want me to do this for your kingdom, then I need you to manifest in the flesh and be sitting on the right side of my couch at exactly six eighteen p.m. when I get home from work. And if that doesn't happen, then you must not really want me to do this ministry. I'd imagine this is where Gideon just got one of those looks from God. Now it might be a tad extreme, but Now, I'm also surprised that when Gideon asked for a sign, God didn't just slap him and be like, Hey, uh, dumb nut, I am talking to you through an angel. Um, Isn't that enough? But this is the kind of game that Gideon is about to start playing. Gideon goes back and forth with God for another 18 verses. Still doubting that he's capable of doing the work that God needs done. Then in verse 36, it says, And Gideon said unto God, Thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside it, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. Basically what Gideon is saying here is, Hey God, I'm going to throw this piece of wool out in the front yard. And when I wake up in the morning, if the wool is wet and the ground is dry, then I know you're giving me the right answer. Because the only way I'm going to believe it is if it's under my circumstances. God answered his prayer because in verse 38 it says, And it was so. For he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed out the dew of the fleece, a bowl full of water. But this is steel. Not good enough for Gideon. I understand what most of us all know the story here, and we're about to get to where we're going. But verse 39 says, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thy anger be hot against me. God, I know you've given me my answer 15 billion times, that I'm the one who needs to do this work. But don't get mad that I'm asking you for this answer one more time, just to make sure. And I will speak this once, let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry upon the fleece only, and upon all the ground let there be dew. The next verse it says, And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. See, ever since we were little kids, we've always looked at Gideon and admired his courage and his obedience to lead 300 men. Against 135,000 Midianites. But there's a few other things we can learn from Gideon. It's the same we can learn from Moses, Jonah, and a plethora of other A-list Bible names. Gideon didn't like the answer he got. He felt as though he wasn't qualified. So he spends an entire chapter arguing with the fact that he's not good enough. And that brings me to the title of my message today, Arguing With Your Answer. Whenever we get an answer that we don't necessarily like, we tend to ask God for a son like Gideon did. See, God knew people are people, and he left his and he left this entire chapter in here because he knew people would not always get the answer and immediately thank Him for it. God, I want to do something for you. What can I do for your kingdom? What do you need from me? I want you to preach. Ah, oh, well. You know, I don't really come from a long line of preachers, God. Uh, Why don't you use these people over here? They seem like they're more put together than I am. Um, I think they would make better preachers than me. I just thought you'd ask me to fold chairs on the weekend or something. So we say we'll pray about it. We'll fast. Or some of us just straight up procrastinate and take our time doing doing it, so hoping God changes his mind in the process. Maybe if I sit on my calling, God will see just how qualified I think that I am. That's another way of saying I'm too scared, and I don't have enough faith in God that he can use me to do something for his kingdom. See, God knows people will say, God, I need an answer. Then he gives you your answer, and it's not the one that you wanted. It's not the one that makes the most sense it's the answers that sometimes requires us to have a little bit of faith that God might actually know what he's talking about. Thank you, Jesus. See, one of the re- reasons Gideon was going back and forth and back and forth is because it didn't make any sense to him. He didn't understand it. But what Gideon failed to realize, and what most of us failed to realize, you don't have to. You don't have to understand everything for the work for it to work out if God is involved. See, sometimes not understanding makes our lives a whole lot easier. In the military, if a sergeant, if you tell a sergeant, I don't understand, that sergeant's going to look at you and say, you don't get paid to understand, soldier. You get paid to obey. That sergeant also told us Y'all think getting told what to do every day is hard? That's the easy part. Just wait around until you're out of training, and then you have to figure everything out for yourself. See, God's already done the figuring out part for, for, for us in this church today. And that's where his answers come to place. See, the most important part of the story of Gideon is once he realized God's answer wasn't going to change. Once Gideon grasped the fact that the Lord's answer wasn't exactly what he wanted, Gideon did what is so incredibly difficult for us to do at times. He went and obeyed the Word of God. He listened, he accepted, even though it wasn't what he necessarily wanted. And Gideon realized that we don't have to always understand the ways of God. And he acted on the answers God gave him. And in doing so, he liberated an entire nation of God's people from the hands of the enemy. Was it the way Gideon thought? No. Was it the way Gideon figured was best? No. Was it the most logical and tactical way to defeat the enemy? Absolutely not. But if we could grab a hold of the answers and simply say, God, I know it doesn't make sense. Jesus, I know it's not exactly what I want. God, I know it doesn't seem like it's the right time. When I took a look at you, when I took it from, oh my Lord. When I look at from where I am now to the place you're telling me I need to go, it seems impossible. God, I'm going to stop arguing with my answer. God, sometimes your God will sometimes make a situation, or your call for your calling so unimaginably impossible, just so He can sit back and blow your mind to show you what He's capable of. Look at Gideon and his three hundred soldiers. God made it so there would be zero doubt in Gideon's brain and in any other brain, for that matter, that victory was achieved only. From the Lord, and not from the army's might. I sometimes wonder why the Lord was so patient with Gideon, and why God kept after him until he agreed. I don't know if anyone else has ever noticed, but some of God's most favorite people to use throughout history are the people who didn't believe that they were enough. But you see, God was patient with Gideon because he had a plan for Gideon. Even though Gideon didn't understand it. Just like God's been patient with me. Just like he's been patient with you. To preach, to teach, to lead song service, sing in the choir, outreach, homeless ministry, children's church, fold chairs, or whatever it is God is asking you to do. And this is where some of us are at today. We've been playing Gideon for weeks, months, or even years going back and forth, back and forth. And God sets you under this roof today to simply say, I've already gave you the answer that you've prayed about. I've already given you the answer that you have so desperately sought after. Stop playing Gideon and I will blow your mind of what could be accomplished if you simply say yes and follow your calling. Help us, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost in here, church. God's just simply trying to tell someone today. I know it doesn't make sense. I know when you do the math, 300 men can't beat 135,000 soldiers. But God's wanting someone to understand today in Restoration Apostolic Church, it doesn't have to make sense to work if I'm involved. Trust me. You've been running from your calling for too long. Stop arguing with your answer. I'm going to go ahead and open up the altars at this time. If we could all find a place to pray.
0: your hands across the room. Answers. It's uh, just a, a a message to just compliment and go right in hand with the the lesson this morning. And we don't I, I didn't even read him. He asked me before service, he said, Do you want to read my message or see it? And I said, No, I trust it, it's fine. And it's amazing how God will just build and put things together. You know, that the waiting room is where we're waiting on answers. And we have to learn to trust God's timing for that answer that'll always be perfect and and if you can believe the first that first scripture he read today that that when we ask God these things when we ask, he says, and we know that we have those petitions we know it it's not I don't have to wonder, we know, and we have to learn to. You know, you need to find those scriptures. Do a study of it and find the scriptures. How many times were referenced the things that God's people know? And then we have to start living by the things we should know. And so, instead of losing our mind, running around crazy because we think God's not answering, just but I know I've got this petition because I know He heard it. Praise God. And it doesn't say anywhere that I love him because he answered. But the scripture says, I love him because he has heard my voice. Because he's going to answer. But just the fact that God would even hear me, man, and then be as gracious to answer me. Thankful for him today. Brother Wendell, that was a tremendous message. Thank you, brother, for encouraging us to wait on those answers and not to argue with our answer not to argue with our answer. I want to say thank you to his family and friends, those that came today, all of our other visitors that came today. God bless you mightily and keep you. Hope to see you again. If you don't have a home church, uh, feel free to come anytime that you would like. We would love to have you here. We'll be here for prayer meeting and communion tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So if you can come, we invite you to come. That's for anybody who wants to. You're welcome to come. And then Wednesday night at 7, we'll have our Bible study and kids class. So it's going to be a great week. God's going to do some great things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you dismissed today in Jesus' name.